Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we hear probably the greatest parable that Jesus ever told and taught, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, when you read this parable, you say to yourself, maybe the real title should be the parable of the merciful father. Everything that we need to know about the spiritual life is contained in this parable. Therefore, we have to tend to it carefully. Every detail is very important. Now, notice how the story begins. A man had two sons. Well, God is like a father to us. We are the children of God. Through baptism, we have been the adopted sons and daughters of God the Father, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Everything that we have comes from God, especially life itself. Just as a mother and a father produce life in their children, so God gives us life. From the moment of our baptism, we began to participate in the life of Jesus Christ. At baptism, our life was joined to the life of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we were given that promise of eternal life. But it doesn't stop there. God is constantly giving things to us, a good family, skills and abilities to work a job. He gives us his only son to save us. The Son gives us his body and blood. Ultimately, God gives us the greatest gift, eternal life. More to it, the more we participate in a life with Christ, the more we participate in God's will. Consequently, like God, we must share in the many gifts that we have. And that's the key. The more we give ourselves away in service to God and others in this world, the more we are drawn into the life of God. Now the son comes to the father and he says, Give to me the share of your estate that should come to me. Does that sound familiar? It echoes the words of Adam and Eve. Here we're going to see that the son is going to make the same mistake as Adam and Eve did. We have to realize we participate in a life with God. And that's a gift given to us by God for the express intent of giving ourselves away in service to God and others in this world. And friends, that is the heart of stewardship. We share our prosperity. We share our skills and our abilities. We share our prayers so that others may benefit by them. The minute that we say, my life is about me, my wants and my desires come first. I'm going to live my life on my terms. Well, then we cling to ourselves and we refuse to share. Notice the practical aspect of the son's request when he says, give me my share of the inheritance. Well, when do we receive an inheritance? Unfortunately, when a loved one dies. And so what the son is saying is a very harsh and insulting statement to his father. Essentially, the son is saying to his father, hurry up and die so that I can get my inheritance. Now, does the father rebuke the son? 
Does he admonish him? No. Does he get angry? Not at all. In fact, he does exactly what the son asks him to do. He divides up the property, and then he gives the son his inheritance. The symbolism here, God respects our freedom. Now, this is a great thing, but also it's a terrible truth. God loves us so much, he gives us free will. And so, if we want to break our relationship with God, if we want to live a life separated from God, what's God's response? Okay, I'll let you go if that's what you want. Now, the story continues. After a few days, the younger son collected all of his belongings and set off to a distant country. Now, the Greek word for distance is koromatra. When translated to English, it means a great empty space. Now, when the son was with his father, he had everything, everything he wanted, because the father was so generous in sharing what he had. Well, now the son is living away from the father. He's living by himself, on his own, and therefore he enters into the great empty space. Friends, how often do we know of people that have been lured by this world, the world's power, riches, fame, fortune, notoriety? These people have entered the koromatra of our day and age, the great and empty space. They pursue power, riches, fame, and fortune. They think these things will satisfy them, but they never do. Why is that? It's because God is not present in fame or fortune or power or honor. Next, in the story, it says, The son squandered all of his inheritance. Well, of course he did. He's clinging to his own possessions. Friends, it's a basic biblical truth. When we cling to the gifts that God has given us, we'll lose them. God gives us many gifts in our life. The gifts of skills and abilities, prosperity, prayers. Friends, they multiply precisely by the very measure in which we share them with others. But when we hold on to them like the sun, we don't share them, we squander them. That's why Jesus says it the best, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever wishes to lose his life for my sake will save it. And that's exactly what's happening with this son. Now, the son is desperate and he's hungry. And so he hires himself out to tend to the pigs. Now, Jews consider pigs the most unclean animals. That's why they refuse to eat pork. They refuse to even come close to a pig. And so we can appreciate just how desperate this son's condition is, that he would take such a disgraceful job or position. Notice also that statement, He hired himself out. Well, he's no longer in a place of giving and sharing. And that's what he had when he was with his father in the father's house. The father shared everything with him. Well, now the son is living in that great empty space, that koromatra, that dictates, this is mine, that is yours, and there is no giving. There is no sharing. See, this is what happens when we wander away from God. Next in the story, It says, coming to his senses, he said to himself, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Well, the servants in the father's house always have plenty to eat. Why? 
because they are in an environment in which the Father generously is giving and sharing with everyone. The Son is so far away from that environment, and that's why he's starving to death. You know, some people leave our Catholic Church, unfortunately, for one reason or another. But when they come back, that's an event of great rejoicing. That's why I can identify with his father at the end of the story when he sees his son coming back. Well, when I see people coming back to the Catholic Church, I rejoice also. And what I always do is I want to sit down with them. And across the table, I ask them, you know, what was it that made you come back to the church? And it's interesting. The people, they use the same vocabulary as the son. They'll say, we were starving for the Eucharist. We were starving for the sacraments. Or they'll say, we hungered to be part of a faith-filled community that took care of each other. And so they use that exact same vocabulary as the son, as he is coming home to the father. Now, it says the father caught sight of him. That's good. The father was always watching for his son. The father never had forsaken his son. He never said, well, my son left me. He took his inheritance. Now I disown him. No. Instead, day after day after day, the father was always waiting and watching intently for his son to come back. Now, this is important for us. Even if we wander away from God or the church, God does not write us off. He doesn't forget about us in anger. No, instead, like the father in this parable, God waits and he watches for our return. And see, that is a great testament of how much God loves us all. Next, it says, The father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. In the ancient world, this was undignified for an old man to run to anyone at all. Remember, this was a patriarchal society. Older men sat while the rest of the family came to him. As the patriarch, they came to him for the express purpose of giving him honor and dignity. Well, this old man, he's running to his son. That's not very respectable in society. But the father doesn't care. Now, as I said often, when we read scripture, we hear God's quest for us, not the other way around. One of the things that we can take from this parable is that God's desire for us is infinitely greater than our desire for God. Now notice how the story begins with the son leaving or running away from the father. How does the story end with the father running towards the son to welcome him back? The son begs forgiveness. The father immediately gives the son gifts. They're very symbolic. First, the robe. Clothing in the ancient world was a symbol of a person's identity. And so the son now has redeemed his identity because of the Father's mercy and love. Well, so too with us. The very moment of our baptism, we were ritually clothed with a baptismal garment. And therefore, it was symbolic that our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ and the life that we share with him. Next, they put a ring on his finger. It's a sign of connection. The relationship that was severed by the Son leaving is now restored by the Father's love and welcoming back. Sandals. In the ancient world, only slaves walked around barefoot. So the father refused to have this relationship with his son. Now the son is restored to full family membership. Now we think this story is over with. 
Not at all. In fact, it only heats up. The old brother finds out what is happening, and he's filled with anger and resentment. Notice the important statement that he says to his father. For years I slaved for you. Now it would appear that these brothers are very different from each other. But in all actuality, they're precisely the same people. Both treat the relationship with their father in an economic one. What can I get from him? The younger brother says what? Give me my inheritance. You know, hurry up and die. The older brother says what? I slaved for you. Both these sons, they do not share or give to their father, despite the fact that the father is constantly sharing and giving everything that he has to his sons. Notice what the father says to the son. Everything that I have is yours. That's the generous spirit of God. And that's at the heart of the lesson for this parable. As generous as God has been to us and the many gifts he has given us, so must we be as generous when we have the gift of prosperity, the gift of skills and abilities, and the gift of prayers. We share those for the benefit of others in this world. And when we do that, then we become a living reflection of God's generosity to us and the rest of the world. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.